the What's on Reading podcast, brought to you with Atlantic Garden Media. Hello and welcome to the May edition of the What's on Reading podcast, recorded once again virtually online using modern technology, much like the arts and culture community of Reading has started doing with their events and activities and workshops. Everything is still closed at the time of recording and probably will be, I guess, throughout the whole of this month and and who knows how much longer. But to paraphrase Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, art finds a way. And I've got three guests all recording from where they are and reporting in to tell us about how their art has found a way through all this. So with me today, we have uh, Jen from Reading Swing Jam. We have Dave from the Free Radicals Improv. And we have Simon from Reading Libraries. Say hello, everybody. Hi there. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to have you all on the call using this modern technology, which, as I said, is what you're all doing to sort of get out there to your communities, to your audiences, to your participants, I guess we could say, because you're all uh, approaching things very, very differently in terms of what you do and with varying different ways in terms of how you're actually choosing to deliver it. We'll go through and we'll meet each each of you in turn. Obviously, I've met you all before, but our listeners may not have done. We're going to start with Jen. Can you tell the What's on listeners just who and or what Reading Swing Jam is? So Reading Swing Jam is a not-for-profit group uh, and we basically run swing dance workshops, classes, events in Reading and some of us are on the Reading Swing Exchange team and Reading Swing Exchange is a swing dance festival that we run annually although of course because of COVID, we're not running this year. So that's pretty much what we do. And in terms of what swing dancing is, you kind of, my best description is the dancing that kind of took place anytime between the 1920s to the 19, let's say 50s-ish, to swing jazz music. So it's got its roots in African-American culture. And that's kind of the, the main thing that we do. So that's things like Charleston, Lindy Hop, that's jazz jitterbug stroll, if I'm getting that right. Is that a thing? So, yeah, so basically swing dancing is the kind of umbrella term for a whole bunch of related dances that include things like the Charleston, the Lindy Hop, Collegiate Shag, Balboa. There's a whole raft of, of related dances. Um, the jitterbug stroll is just a, a particular routine, uh, like a little choreography um, that many swing dancers know, like the Shim Sham or the Tranky Do. So solo jazz in Charleston is, is one of the classes that we teach, and we sometimes teach well-known routines in those classes. I can imagine then that, that trying to teach classes when you can't physically be with, with students is a pretty big hurdle to overcome, even with today's technology. How are you getting around that? Most definitely. Like as soon as the lockdown kind of kicked in, uh, we had to close all physical classes. So like in real life at the venue, uh, we often, for our Monday night uh, solo jazz classes, we use the Rising Sun Art Center. And our Wednesday night classes, the Lindy Hop, were run in conjunction with Reading University Swing Dance Society up at Wessex Hall on campus. And both of those classes had to stop. We've taken, so Lindy Hop is a bit tricky to do online or virtually because not everyone has a dance partner that they live with or that they're isolating with. I suppose not. No, no they probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tricky. And, and the thing with our Lindy Hop classes is we 
change partners throughout the class. So you don't have one partner. You have a room full of, uh, of people that you dance with. So the logistics of that are just really tricky. So Lindy Hop has, has taken a pause basically while, while COVID's happening. But solo jazz, the joy of solo jazz is that you do it on your own. I mean, quite often when we teach it, we're all dancing on our own, but together within a room. So that one, that particular dance really lends itself to, to online learning. So we've moved our Monday night class over to Zoom. So we're teaching it through video, video and audio over the internet. The handy thing with that, of course, is that now that we're not so much bound by venues and timetabling, we're, we're managing to offer two classes a week rather than just the one. Splendid, splendid. So we will come back to you, but we're going to move swiftly on to our next guest, which is Dave of the Free Radicals. And again, for the benefit of our listeners, who or what are the Free Radicals? The Free Radicals are one of a number of improvised comedy troupes that perform in the Reading area. And uh, many of us are alumni and current participants of a weekly improv comedy class called What's the Game? And as you would have guessed, we we were all based around venues in Reading, and we were at uh, Brewdog, at Smoking Billy's, at uh, at Thirsty Bear, and various other places. And since the lockdown, we um, we've gone online, and um, our particular brand, the Free Radicals, is taking a short form and long form improvised comedy. So short form is essentially what you might be familiar with if you are fans of Who's Line Is It Anyway, the uh, the show that used to be very popular on Channel 4 back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah and big fan it, of that. Yeah, <laughs> prizing of, uh, of games with audience suggestions, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and the long form is more sort of narrative where we are taking a suggestion and creating um, a, a story from it uh, or, or sketches. And our particular uh, angle is that we would always have a, a science communicator as a in the trade as an, a monologist. So essentially, we ask our speakers to do a 10 or 15 minute TED style talk. And it's a serious talk. Uh, we want to learn something. And then the troupe is inspired by the content of the talk to create some sketches. So uh, what we find is that people tend to not only are they getting something serious, they're getting a bit of entertainment as well with the comedy and we find that the lecture stays with people a lot longer because we we sort of frame it in a, a narrative comedy style which um, actually helps people sort of call back to the content so that's been uh, our brand we've been doing that for about three years and since the the lockdown like many people in the performing arts finding ways to express ourselves online and uh, every week now seems like a, a virtual improv comedy festival with you know classes <laughs> still going on but this time you're not being joined by folks from the Thames Valley we're getting people jumping in from across Europe and we even have uh, a couple of what's the game alumni in North America who've been dialing in so oh, wow. uh, it's been great fun yeah and uh, we're learning a lot as well by watching each other's shows you know we get to see people play that we wouldn't normally see because they're usually too far away or performing you know the same night in a, but perhaps at a different town and we can't get to get from us to them yeah, the speed of light doesn't help but uh, now it does Wow. 
So, do you still have the science element in the in the online version, or is it kind of has that had to be impacted by by the sort of the switching the format? Well, it has. It, there's, there's two things to it. One of the benefits of of improv, like with stand up comedy, is it is a group activity, and without the live audience, um, the the sound of you know the audience feeding back, you know their appreciation or their wonder or just general boredom uh, about what we're doing, <laughs> it, it's quite challenging to do a full show without that instant feedback so we've cut back what we do to about an hour normally we do two hours and uh, we, we are very uh, ruthless with the editing uh, and in my head while I'm directing the show I'm trying to imagine if I was sitting there watching this you know if this was if it's boring I move it along quite quickly so we're doing our bit to keep it you know zippy and we, we have retained some of these science elements but but it's not that easy, really, to take the, the science communicator and do the long form. I don't think long form really works for us at the moment in, in, in Zoom, which is what we're using. And we're still struggling a little bit with some technical challenges every so often. We can't merge a couple of feeds because we've usually got two or three performers all trying to be on, is literally, you know, quote, on stage, unquote, at the same time. <laughs> we're not always able to, to to blend them in very easily. So we're still learning, and, and what we're seeing across the community is people who are adapting very quickly to uh, limitations or, or opportunities that this new media gives us, and I'm sure that's true for, for Simon and Jen as well. That brings us nicely to Simon from Reading Libraries. Obviously, Simon, the libraries, the physical buildings are closed, but as, as I know from following you on Twitter and various other things, the library services are far from closed. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've had, oh, how many weeks? Six, seven weeks of complete closure. So we were one of the first library services to shut, actually, in the country. And since then, we've done a lot more engagement on social media than we would have done otherwise, and that's something that we're really keen to try and keep going. And we've had staff unleash their creativity on Twitter and on Facebook. So we've been kind of publicising our offer, I suppose, is, was the main starting point. So firstly, we needed to tell people what we have. So we've got e-books and we've got a downloadable audio, which has expanded a huge amount since since all this started, and online magazines. And they've grown an awful lot. So they've more than doubled since this started. And now there's about 4,000 items got issued last month, more than a bit thousand. So that's grown hugely for us. In a regular month, we'd see... we'd issue around 35,000 items so it's not completely taken over from the physical world but it's still <laughs> from a standing start it's it's a really good place to be um, and then we started once we got the initial message out about well we're closed no your items aren't due back we've extended everything for a few months no there won't be any fines did you know we did ebooks and all of those other things we started thinking about stuff we could do every day or things we could introduce every day on social media so we've done um, daily quizzes that are linked to resources in the collection we've done a local history image every day which has been really really well received that's always been fantastically popular and now we're sort of branching into we've got online weekly quizzes that are very good and trying to really provide something that's really different and really fresh and just part of people's routine because i don't know about everybody else but i'm I, I wake up and i know it's a day 
I'm not overly sure which day it is until I get <laughs> something, and just something that helps me kind of navigate my way through a day so I know that at 11 o'clock there'll be a posting about this, that and the other, and I can look out for that, and I know that we'll be doing, on a Tuesday we now do an online story time we release, so it's a recorded story time, so the publishers are letting us do that for the duration of COVID, which is nice, we wouldn't be able to do it normally, and we've had, as soon as one of those goes up, uh, last week's one had a thousand views inside 24 hours, so that's that's really good, that's really getting a following, we've got about over 5,000 views now of those. So the story time, I'm, I'm guessing that's that's for children's books, it's not a yeah. sort of a grown-up story time. <laughs> it is, well, some, some library services have done kind of story readings and stuff, and some have got poetry readings going on. We haven't quite got there yet, so yeah, they are for children, although adults are very welcome. Um, <laughs> and I've started, we've got, I've got a three-year-old, and we've started doing them at, at bedtime. So if it's a Tuesday, it kind of helps him, because he's learning his days at the moment. I can say it's a Tuesday, and he started to pick up, oh, that's the day there's a story on your phone. So they're, they're really nice. And I think that the nice thing about the story time, particularly, we started thinking about doing live ones, because that seemed to be what people, initially, what library services were doing were mainly live ones. Um, that seemed really, really stressful. And then actually we thought, well, to be honest, I can't get on time with a three-year-old to anything. I can't get to anything on time without a three-year-old, really. So to have something <laughs> that could just click on a thing in uh, in Facebook and just click on a video either in the morning or the evening or whenever it's useful is far more helpful to me than being at a certain place at a certain time. So that, that has been a, a really well-received thing. I would love to think that we'd be able to do that when this is all over, but I appreciate publishers need to have control of their content and stuff. So I think there will be talks with them as a, as a national library grouping to see if we could keep something going. I, I'm, I'm personally finding it fascinating how innovative people are being in this period. We're seeing so many cross-collaborations, uh, not just within our community, but between communities, um, people trying to help each other out. It's been, it's been really lovely to see. It really has. I think people just want to be doing something and they want to be supporting their community, whether that's, you know, in the wider sense or, you know, talking as, as we are. It's the organisations that they would support and, and go and see and all the ones that I think there is quite a real possibility that people are discovering or rediscovering areas of, of sort of uh, our community for the first time or the first time in a long time because there's now a bit more <laughs> a spare time to, to seek these things out or, or in, indeed because you're, you're putting something out there at a time that's more accessible. Dave, you, you were saying, you know, there were performers that you wouldn't normally get to work with or, or see their work because they're on at the same time as you and things like that. And I think this is this is definitely helping to sort of give us all a bit more free time to, to make more time for every I've said the word time far too much now. Uh, <laughs> I've been listening to, um, you know, on a national level, uh, to Simon's point, it appears that poetry is really getting a lot of attention at the moment because I think it, you know, it's people have that word again time to look into things but I think as well that you know they want to share something that you know I'm, I'm getting lots of people sharing things that you know, wouldn't normally be in touch with me on on such a regular basis but they're finding something which is giving them a little bit of joy and they're sharing it with their friends and these little things are going around all the time I'm sure all of us have, are on whatsapp groups or what have you where people are sharing you know jokes or, or, or meaningful ideas and and quotes and it's, it's a great time to discover things perhaps have been passing you by in our busy lives there's one thing on a, on a kind of personal level there's one thing that um, my 
parents have started trying to write my three-year-old a little letter every week, and that's really nice. But they've also tried to be telling stories and stories about their lives. And we're, I think there's a, there's a bit of that. I think people are, I've had that from other places as well. People have been sharing, you know, stuff that they probably said or they mentioned in passing before, but that people are, quite a few people, I think, are writing down their stories and stuff from their past in a way that they maybe, they definitely wouldn't have done before this, I don't think. So that is trying to, I guess the next challenge would be trying to capture some of that and making sure that, you know, we, you know, we keep personal memories, but also organisationally, we keep hold of any stories we've been sent because we need to kind of document the time as well. The other thing as well, do you, I mean, as a group, do we do we feel that we'll be seeing some real breakthrough local stars emerging from this? Because I'm sure there are people applying their, their free time to, to creative endeavours that will emerge as uh, you know, they've, they've they've been doing things of value that we'll we'll discover after or during lockdown. I'm certain that, that that's going to happen. I I definitely like to think so. And there's like from my own view of 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 what's going on. I try to keep as wide a view as possible. You know, it's kind of my job to do so is to to know what's what's going on. There just seems to be so much happening and so many people and so many both you know sort of on an individual level and there's there's lots of musicians who are just right i'm going to do a, a a live concert from my bedroom my attic my living room wherever because i want to perform and i love to perform and, and i think i think you're right there are there are some who are doing it a lot and there are some that are doing it you know when they can and i think i think you're right i think we may well see some new face uh, emerging uh, hopefully i guess there's always a danger with with so much happening that that things could get lost in the shuffle i think there are there will be some stars emerging from this i don't say any names right now because i don't want to jinx it for anyone just touching on something I, I i just said which is that that kind of getting lost in in the shuffle which is kind of an open question to to all three of you to answer really is how are you getting the word out primarily for us we're communicating with our students that we we know that we see on a regular basis and and getting the word out that way and obviously social media is a good one for spreading the news what we found is we've got quite a few people who have come to our classes in the past because we run uh, particularly uh, the solo jazz class we run it mostly through a Facebook group where we can post up information about sort of class recaps and all that kind of stuff people who've come to our classes in the past have been members of that group but when they stop coming to our class they don't necessarily stop or or, you know uh, remove themselves from the group so what's been lovely in that respect is we've told people that we're doing these virtual classes and now we're finding that we're reaching people and having people tune into these classes who we haven't seen in, you know, two, three, four, five years, some of whom uh, might have been passing through town, like they might have been uh, transient reading people and they've moved on gone elsewhere we've got some students who joined us for a while and now they're you know back home in Germany or you know like all sorts of places and so that's been really lovely in the sense that suddenly we're we're reconnecting with people that that we haven't seen either face to face in a while or or heard from in a while so that's been a bit of a delight and also we've had a couple of people who like it was mentioned earlier who might have had you know a timetable clash that couldn't make our classes usually Maybe they uh, live in a nearby town, but by the time they finish work, you know, have dinner and commute over to Reading or whatever, what have you, can't make our, our class time. And now they're finding that actually they can tune in. So who knows, maybe at the end of this lockdown, 
maybe some of those people might be so inspired that they'll come and join us in person. Yeah, I think just to echo some of those sorts of things from our point of view, it's really surprising how how hard it can be to, to run a library service that doesn't have any physical libraries. Um, we did our best to get some stuff in the in the windows before we had to had to leave on the 23rd of March. Ever since then, it's really just been only social media, but also quite working with colleagues. So I think we've we've shared stuff that the museums put out and vice versa. What's on Reading's help get the message out. And we've seen, we've had about 450 new members since lockdown started. So the message is definitely getting through. We've made it a lot easier to join online. It's really just been everybody working together and like you say, keeping your eye on stuff and joining in with conversations where you can and then trying to crowbar in library stuff wherever wherever possible as i'm proving now that's that's great i mean it's it it really is wonderful to hear that that you're all kind of succeeding through this for many people this this sort of period is very the word unprecedented gets thrown around a lot and uncertain and i think i think that's that's absolutely true but i think the three of you are managing to not just survive through this but to find a way a new way to thrive and i think the way that we as a community engage with audiences and the way that audiences engage with with the arts and culture and and heritage is going to be very very different from now on what sort of learnings do do you think you'll you'll take from this period once restrictions start to ease and people can start you know actually going to places again however far off that might be do you think you'll continue to have an online presence in part at all i mean a lot of it will depend on if there's interest post lockdown i mean i don't know maybe everyone will go back to you know in real life learning or or, you know interactions but it's definitely a question that we'll put towards our students and just say you know have you enjoyed these would you like them to continue are you in a position where you know visiting us in reading in person at this time at this venue isn't practical and one thing we have found is actually some people who maybe uh, aren't able to attend classes in person for health reasons or maybe even mental health reasons it's actually been a bit of a a saving grace in that respect there's a little bit more flexibility for them to be able to join in in that respect so I think a lot of it is really if there's demand for it by by all means it's definitely something that I'll consider continuing but of course particularly with the Lindy Hop in, uh, in particular being a partner dance that one is going to be a, a, an in-person project I'm afraid <laughs> yeah, that, that's just made me think as well because I think there's going to be a, a transition period when uh, venues start opening again there will certainly be a reasonably large number of people that won't be rushing back to sit with in crowded rooms to watch a show and whether we can continue to do a sort of a dual maybe a live stream a show that we're performing in front of an audience or not i mean that's something i'd thought about doing before but i do feel it's it's a it's it's worth considering how we might uh, continue to include people who are not ready to go back out after the uh, lockdown's ease yeah, I think from from my point of view, the the big thing that we do that's live performance, if you like, every week is loads and loads of rhyme times. And if we get to a point where we're back open, we're not going to be doing them initially, I can't imagine. But when we do start doing them again, there will still be people that don't want to come to those for sensible reasons. But at that point, we're kind of the whole, how do we film this? What are the technical issues? If you haven't got anyone to help you, how do you do it? We're, we're kind of doing a performance at that point. So I can see us getting to a point where we are doing the rhyme times as normal, filming one a week, putting that up there so that there's something going out for people. It kind of, it seems a lot easier to do one of those things when there's an audience 
Um, but if we're back into buildings and we don't have a, don't have anyone coming in, we could film it ourselves. If we've got a small audience, we could do it. And I think things like that we we'll probably will be doing now where we would have not really considered that before, I don't think. Thank you. I think, yes, the, the future is definitely uncertain, but it sounds like the future is going to continue to be digital in some way or another, <laughs> which feels like a relatively sensible place to 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 wrap things up today then so a big thank you to all three of my guests for giving their time and their their skype connections for this this month's podcast thank you to jen thank you very much thank you to dave thank you very much everyone and thank you to simon thank you and details of all three organizations are on the what's on running website and don't forget we will continue to run our complete list or a relatively complete list of the various online activities workshops events and so on happening all over Reading, please do continue to check that out and see everyone who is doing something in the digital virtual space because, as I said at the beginning, art finds a way and that's definitely the case in Reading. We'll be back for another podcast next month. Who knows whether we'll be back out or not, but until then, stay safe. The What's on Reading podcast was produced by Atlantic Garden Media. 